Welcome to the She Will Shine podcast, where we bring you the real stories of female business owners. My name is Danielle Price and I'm the founder of She Will Shine, a supportive business network for women. It's time to give a voice to women in business and discover their journey. Hi everyone and welcome to the She Will Shine podcast. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the country on which we record our podcast, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and we recognise their continuing connection to the land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Thank you everyone for joining us today. We have the lovely Casey Benjamin with us. How are you, Casey? I'm really well. Thank you so much for having me in your beautiful community and today on the podcast, Danielle. I'm very excited to chat with you. It's a pleasure. I'm really excited for our conversation too. For those who may not know Casey just yet, she is a self-leadership coach for business owners and professionals at The Courage Project. With a major in psychology and minor in sociology and a master of teaching, Casey has always been fascinated by the nature versus nurture debate. Now that research has settled that debate, Casey is passionate about helping individuals understand their own nature, as well as the effects of nurturing influences. After gaining clarity on these influences, she helps her clients access their full potential by optimizing their environments and living into their strengths. I can't wait to find out all about that soon, Casey, because as you know, I am fascinated by what you do. But before we get there, I wanted to ask you, did you ever think that you would be a business owner? Did you have like aspirations as a young person? Looking back, um, I was really quite entrepreneurial. Um, so I was, I had um, the good fortune of having a father who had his own business or he was um, starting his own business when I was about eight, I think. But um, even before then, I was always trying to make little businesses. Teaching was always a part. So I would teach my brother and, you know, my stuffed toys and things like that. So there was that in it. But then, you know, I used to make little like um, stress balls and things like that. And I'd sell them at my dad's work and, um, you know, wanted to, I was always trying to get my friends to start a babysitting business and things like that. So I think the signs were there that I was quite entrepreneurial. Um, I don't know that, you know, that has necessarily helped me too much because there's still so much that um, that I need help with, um, you know, as a business owner as well. So um, I think it's in my spirit, but, you know, what I've really discovered this past year is that I can't do it alone and I really need a team around me to support me. So collaboration is where it's at for me. Oh, 100%, 100%. Um, I want to go back to your education. You know, you said that you're obviously yeah. teaching your siblings and things what you were doing. So did, was that like a natural progression then, kind of like in high school, you sort of thought, this is what I enjoy, and it was an easy decision for you to make to go in that path? It really wasn't. Um, having a dad who, my dad um, was a lawyer, and he kept encouraging me to do law, I think because I used to argue with him a lot, and so he just thought that that, <laughs> that was my natural nature, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, so I ended up coming out of, um, you know, I ended up, I started off in arts because I wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do, um, and I had fallen in love with psychology um, at school, and so then I was, I was kind of looking at the teaching course, but I was like oh, I'm not 100% sure 
Um, and then, you know, it's it's kind of hard to work out what you can do with an arts degree. So I ended up going into, I transferred into arts law. And then, you know, through that process, I'm very much a learn, um, learn through mistakes kind of person. And so, you know, I got three years into the law degree and just thought, oh, I just find this so dry. You know, I know it's really fascinating and really exciting to some people, but it's just not for me. So I kind of moved out of that took some time away and then I kind of went oh okay I'm going to go back to what I loved as a kid you know and that was teaching and that's when I did my master of teaching so it wasn't kind of like you know a natural or a linear progression at all which is kind of me I, I kind of do things in a bit of an experimental way. So there's a lot of years of university studying if you were going through yeah. arts then three years of law and then a master's of teaching so you yes. obviously love the learning aspect because I don't know I if do. I could do that. That's a lot of years at uni. If I could be a professional student, I probably would, you know, and I suppose that's why I've chosen work that, you know, is constantly developing and there's always new things to learn because I just love learning. I'm just a naturally curious person. So, yeah, I feel like I don't have enough years, you know, and time on earth to learn all the things that I want to learn. So. Did you do primary or secondary teaching? I taught primary. I loved the teaching part of it. Um, the, the data and the analytics and the report writing is not really within my natural strength. So I burnt out in teaching. Um, but I loved being with the children. Um, I loved the classroom culture. I loved helping them recognise their strengths and collaborate together. So, yeah, I've kind of brought that into the work that I do now I just do it with adults and sometimes I kind of feel like when I'm looking at people especially in the corporate work that I do they're just kids in suits really they're just you know <laughs> you can you can kind of see the the inner child in them as well so it's essentially the same thing it's just that they've got suits on oh that's an awesome way to look at it I think that's a really yeah. um you kind of take away the the walls that people put up absolutely and see the real person underneath Hundred percent, and I think that's one of my strengths as well. And I noticed that even just this week, I've had some a few reminders. You know, I'm a very like honest, authentic person, and I'm pretty quick to be vulnerable in front of people. And I think that let that lets people know they can let their guard down, and you know that they don't have to have a pretense around me. And that's where you know we know from Brene Brown's work that you know when we're vulnerable, that's where connection happens. Yeah, we see yeah. it every day at Shilshine, as you would know. I know that you started a chocolate business. Can you yeah. kind of take us through that progression from teaching to chocolate? When you look at it, you're like, what a weird bunch of things for the, for one person to do. But I can kind of see the common threads throughout. Um, it was when I was on maternity leave and I had previously thought, you know, oh, I'm going to have six children. I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. So, you know, when I went on maternity leave from my teaching position, um, you know, I was just like, here, you know, I've, this is the life I've created. It's finally here. I can't wait three months in I was going crazy and I was like oh my gosh like this is not this does not suit me you know I'm getting bored I need something for myself and I really didn't want to go back to teaching so the chocolate business was kind of a bit of my exit out of there and so I was like okay I've got to, I had a lot of drive to kind of make it work to to be able to bring in enough money to um, ensure that I didn't have to go back to my teaching job 
And I've always loved food. I used to make um, chocolates as a as a little girl for like family friends in the little molds and stuff like that. I loved doing that. I love food, um, you know, and particularly chocolate. And um, I was really, really health conscious at that time. And um, I had, you know, developed my own recipe that I just loved. And I shared it with my mother's group. And they were like, this is amazing. You need to sell it. And I was like, oh, do you think? I just thought it was something that I liked. Um, but they gave me that confirmation. And so they said, oh, you should do an Easter stall at our at our local farmer's market, the Kitan Farmer's Market in the Maston Ranges. And so, you know, I, I did a little bit. I, I very quickly, I'm very good at doing things very quickly. Um, and so I, you know, got all of the, the things across that I needed to do, checked everything, had all my regulations sorted. Um, and within like a, I think it was like a month or something like that, I had a little chocolate um, stall wow. at the farmer's market and I sold out within two hours. And people were like, that's not normal. Like people don't usually sell out. This is a thing you should, you know, keep going. And so, yeah, it just grew from there and it was really fun. And it was probably, I'd, I'd lost a lot of confidence in teaching. I think because I was, I was doing a job that required me to do something that was out of my, um, my natural strengths with yeah. the data and the analytics, the teaching great. I would have been great with like another teacher that was really good in that bit. Um, but, you know, through that process, and I think also, you know, I know a lot of people um, who become parents feel this, you know, that kind of loss of identity a little yes. bit. So yeah, my chocolate so. business was that thing for me that really helped me to have something for myself and there were always challenges. So I was constantly coming up against those challenges and and just like amazing myself at how I could overcome them and be resourceful um, and find ways through. And I think it was because I had such drive that I really yeah. didn't want to go back to teaching because it was making me so unhealthy. Yeah. And I think like, as you said, you had such drive. So while those challenges were there, rather than seeing them as roadblocks, you were just like, okay, well, what do I have to do? I have to get past this. What do I have to do? And you just did yeah. it. So many of us can so easily stop at those points and go, it's all yeah. too hard. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. I think for me, even now in my business, I'm coming up against roadblocks like that and I'm not as resourceful as I used to be. Um, and that's what I'm trying to sort of tap into a little bit more. But it's just that next level. I feel like, you know, I always thought that there would be this point that I'd get to where I had it all figured out and everything was perfect and I'd learned all my lessons and then life was going to be easy, you know. Like I think we fairy. all had that. <laughs> yeah, but I've I've come to realise that that's just not going to, there's always going to be those challenges. So if I frame them as opportunities, you know, that makes it a whole lot easier for me to to overcome them, to learn, to grow and just to have a happier, easier, more enjoyable life, really. Do you think like the way you frame those, like seeing them as opportunities, like you said, is that something that like your parents kind of nurtured, do you think? No. Because not a not lot of people so do. I've had to overcome a lot of that yeah. um, because, you know, I did grow up with, you know, very loving parents that really wanted to protect me and keep me safe. And so, Growing up um, and even in school, I didn't try a lot of things like I wanted to be in the plays and I wanted to probably um, I didn't even want to do sport because I was so scared of it because, you know, my mum had fears around sport and things like that. And I can see that they were just trying to protect me and just trying to make life easy for me. But I'm actually someone now I know because I've done so much, you know, work in self-development and trying to understand myself um, that I am somebody that loves challenges. So it's an innate thing. Whenever I see a challenge, 
it it elicits you know the hormones that drive me for me that's like adrenaline and cortisol and I'm like okay let's get going my challenge is around consistency and finishing projects and doing sort of those monotonous things so that that's yeah. the real challenge for me it's not so much oh here's a problem I'm just naturally a solution oriented person so I tend to find it um you know exciting so how long did you run the business for the chocolate business um I think it was really only about three years I think because then you know I went through separation and you know my my ex-partner he was the graphic designer for that so the business was all kind of tied up together and I was really going through a fresh start for me you know I was coming out um you know as as a lesbian um I was you know separated from my ex-husband and so it was really just this that had to go and and the business had kind of gotten to this point where when I moved to Melbourne as well, I couldn't register a home kitchen there. So it was very different. There were a lot of different challenges and I wasn't loving it to the point. I didn't feel like it was my main thing. So I had this whole point of like, is this, is this something that I want to view as an opportunity or is this something that I need to let go? And, you know, just through lots and lots of kind of tapping into my own intuition, I realized it was something that needed to let go. Um, and you know, I can now see in hindsight, it was very scary at the time to let it go, but I can see in hindsight now that you know there was something else that needed to come in. So I needed yeah. to make space for that. Did you kind of take some time? Obviously, you know, you're finding yourself again to a degree who you were. Yeah. Do you um like was that a difficult time? Obviously, personally, you were going through a lot, I can only imagine. Um, professionally, did you kind of think, where do I fit again? You know what I mean? Like what, what's next? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it was re- it was a really challenging time. If I look back on it, um, I was really in survival mode at that point. And so I just went back to teaching because that's what I knew was going to support myself and my son. Um, so, you know, I got a full-time job. I did take some time to kind of like, you know, just regain my footing a little bit and was very, very grateful for, you know, the the boost with um, Centrelink and the, and the family payments and things like that. I feel very lucky to live in Australia and have access to those kinds of things because that's what I needed at that time. You know, it was a very hard time for me financially because although my business was, was bringing in some money, like if I wasn't there, that money stopped. And so, you know, I needed to rely on, um, you know, the the... Um, single parenting payments um, and food and petrol vouchers for a while which really really humbled me and it was um, you know one of those moments where it was like take everything away you know and what's kind of left which I think really kick-started my journey of of really finding myself and delving deep but um it was just really a survival mechanism thing and it probably I probably wouldn't have gone back to teaching um, if it wasn't for that you know and eventually I did burn out again um, you know, which I knew was kind of coming. So, you know, I knew yeah. that it wasn't something that was really um, the best thing for my health and well-being, but it was just a matter of meeting, you know, making ends meet, um, you know, which I know a lot of people have to do. That is the reality of, you know, of living these days with such high costs. And sometimes even, you know, when you've got your own business as well, having to have, you know, a part-time job or something until, until it's, you know, standing on its own. And that's right. And there's no, um, there shouldn't be any shame around that. I think either because, you know, we all have um, lifestyles and things that we need to 
bring money in to pay for. And it's like, well, I think some people um, can sometimes think, oh, I'm not doing good enough in that. And they kind of put that on themselves like a, a negative. Yeah. There shouldn't yeah. be any shame or a negativity around that. It's just part of life. Yeah, there absolutely shouldn't. I definitely felt shame, um, you know, and it. I really think it's something that not a lot of people talk about. You know, I know, I know that in your group, you know, you provide a beautiful open space where we can talk about those kinds of things and that's one of the things I love about it um, but you know when, you, when you're when you sort of moving around in other circles I still feel like so many of us have our masks on and we, we feel this need to front up and and act like everything's perfect you know because god forbid we're human you know and and we've got some things going on that um, you know are challenging us if you actually delve a little deeper you know when you ask the questions and you build the trust with people you find out everybody's got something that they're struggling with um we've all come across hard times you know through various different ways it could be financially it could be relationship wise it could be health you know any number of things um and i think that you know the work that brene brown's done has been amazing you know in helping us to start talking about that and kind of taking those masks off um and you know i just want to see more of that where people are actually you know connecting and, and being real Oh, 100%. And I love that, like, Brene, Brene Brown has started the conversation. And it's like the power I was writing, I'm doing a workshop and I was writing a thing about the power of conversations just the other day. And it's like there is just the just open, the, having openness around a topic mm-hmm. and, like you said, letting those guards down, it puts us all on an equal, on an equal playing field. And it's like you yeah. don't need to worry about judgment you don't need to worry about you know financial things whatever it is that you're worried about we can all be on the same playing field and that's when change actually happens absolutely and we saw that in COVID as well when you know when you could take away people's fancy suits and their cars and the offices and things like that and we were you know seeing everybody in their living rooms and it didn't really matter what what car you had especially in Melbourne because you couldn't go anywhere so you know that really leveled the playing field so I think that kind of helped to accelerate it even further um but it does sort of feel in some in some areas that people have kind of just gone back and you know gone back to default which is normal we all do that it's human you know but we're, we're learning some lessons along the way and I think we get those little reminders um, I've certainly gotten those reminders lately with my health, you know, and, and getting sick and things like that. And so it's just those things about, okay, let's let's not go back to those old ways that weren't serving us. Let's remember the lessons that we learned. So how did you then transition from going back into teaching again mm-hmm. to what you do now? And can you share what you do now? Because I find it fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, I, after... I think it was about a year and a half back in teaching um, or maybe two years, including, you know, some emergency teaching work and things like that. I burnt out again um, and I got to the point I had chronic fatigue. So I was not able to even sort of like move from the couch to the front door without like losing breath. And I remember sort of trying to go to the zoo, you know, on the school holidays with my son and I just was moving so slowly. I had to take seat, you know, take a seat all the time. And I just was you know, just so exhausted. And I just, I had used up all of my sick leave. Um, and so I had nothing left. Um, and I just had to resign from my position because I, I just knew that I couldn't do it. And immediately after resigning, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders and the energy started to come back to me. And so I thought, okay, well, obviously, you know, my body is telling me that I can't 
I can't do that job anymore. Um, so I've got to find out what I am going to do because, you know, I've done, I've done a fair bit of self-development work now, but I need to go a little bit deeper into what that means for my career and what am I meant to be doing? What can I do with the skills that I've got? And so that's when I got a coach um, and she really, really helped me to sort of navigate um, and realizing that I wanted to do some work in coaching um, with adults. Um, and I found, um, I think it was because I had delved into psychology and a lot of the deep stuff. She was a business coach. So when I found, um, I was talking about the different things that I needed to do in business and my own stuff kept coming up and my own limitations um, and my own fears. And she, she didn't have the ability to kind of hold space for that. And I realized that's where I can do things differently because I have that background. You know, I'm a very nurturing, the warm person. I'm very honest. I love humanity and I love the shadow side of people as well. You know, I've, been, I've seen it all in teaching, you know, and I've had a pretty colorful life as well. Um, and I can, I can hold space for that as that person is kind of navigating these business challenges. I can help them to grow into the person that they want to be to be able to meet those challenges and so that that was a point of difference where I was like I could really do something here and here's how I would do it differently and so then I was just kind of coaching intuitively and then I I thought oh I, I you know better get some coaching training even though I had already I already had quite a lot under my belt with the psychology and yeah. the sociology and then the teaching and things like that um, and then I, I went to a coaching school. I got some amazing um, models and things like that. But I found it a little bit frustrating because there was this kind of one way of thinking. Here's the right way of thinking. Here's the right way of being. Here's what you need to do. Here are the standards you need to meet. And I, I just felt like that didn't fit for everybody. Yep. And, you know, with my idea that everybody's an individual and what I'd seen in teaching, people had different skills and it just didn't sit right with me. I tried it for a little while and then I was kind of whinging about it to, to a friend and she said, oh, you should look at this epigenetics course that I did. I think you'd really like it because it's really all about what you're saying there that, you know, people are, are different and this explains why they're different. And so I went and looked and I, and I had a chat to some people. I jumped into the course and then I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, as I was listening to them talk about it, I was like, this is the language and the science behind yeah. what I've always noticed about humans. I'm a, a real people watcher. And I'm like, why is that person different to that person? Why do we look different? Why do we behave differently? Why do we see things differently? And this gave language to all of that. So the epigenetics, epigenetics is really the study of our genes and how the environment impacts our genes so the thing is like you know we've we've made up by our parents you know our biological parents um, and they give us our genes and that's about three to five percent of who we actually are you know the 95 to 97 percent is actually how our environment impacts our genes so you can get two twins that you know yeah. essentially have the same dna and they can have a very different lifestyle very different kind of interests and their body can develop very differently depending on what choices they're making in their lifestyle and what environmental factors are impacting them 
And so I went, oh, this is amazing, you know. And I really felt in that course that they really encouraged us to be our true selves. And so, you know, I'm a real verbal expert. I love, you know, coming on podcasts and things like that. And every time they'd ask a question, you know, there'd be those people sitting there that, you know, didn't want to put their hand up or didn't want to share anything. And I was just raring to go. So sometimes I'd, 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 I'd wait for, you know, like 30 seconds or something and I'd be like, nobody's answering questions or nobody's asking anything. No one's contributing. And so I'd, you know, I'd come off mute and I'd say, you know, oh, I know I've talked a lot already. And they said, that's okay. We know that you need to express verbally. So you go for it. In so many situations in life, you know, we do the right thing. You know, as kids, we're taught, Mm -hmm. you you know, you speak when you're spoken to, you don't, you know, kind of interject and you let other people speak, blah, blah, blah. And then finally, here's an environment where your, your contributions are valued. Yes, absolutely. And for those people that don't want to speak as well or need a little bit more time to process their thoughts so that they can feel ready to speak, that was respected as well. And so it was, you know, for the people that wanted a bit more data and a bit more science of things, that was there, that was available for it. They had different ways to work through the material based on each individual's kind of biology. And so I just loved that they had this differentiated model, which was what I was trying to do in teaching as well. But the system, I was in the mainstream system and it it just didn't allow for that, you know, yeah. certainly not for, you know, if, if the teacher wasn't going to burn out. You know, I tried to do it um, and differentiate for each child, but it was really difficult, you know, but that's actually what we need as humans. We need, you know, to understand that we're all different, um, that, you know, we have individual strengths. And actually, when we work to those strengths and we allow space for people to share their strengths within a team, that's actually how we work as a, as a healthy ecosystem. You know, if you look at nature and the way that, you know, animals will will help each other it's like a symbiotic relationship you know that's how we're supposed to be as humans and some teams that we work with you know do that really well and some not so much you know and I know that you know within um, the entrepreneurship community as well we sometimes feel like we have to be all-rounders and we have to do everything ourselves and sometimes we do you know that that's just you know how the situation is and that's where we can get into burnout as entrepreneurs as well. Um, but, you know, we, we know the power of outsourcing and, and collaborating and, you know, leaning on other people for support and, and playing to our strengths. And so, you know, that's what we educate on now. How long kind of, you know, it sounds like when you first um, had a coach, so sort of at the start mm-hmm. of that sort of journey of finding what you were going to do, like you sort of had the mindset that you were going to open a business. Is that correct? Yeah, I think having the chocolate business, that really showed me that I could do that. You know, that yeah. was that was pretty successful. Um, I think coaching has been a little bit more challenging, but, you know, I've also had a lot going on during that time as well and known that I needed to balance those things. So um, that's kind of a bit more of a circumstantial thing. But, yeah, it was in 2018 that, um, that I burnt out from teaching and then decided to sort of go down that path um, of having my own business again. Um, and I think for me, that just feels really right. I do work well within a team, but I, I also work well, you know, on my own independently. So um, I think it really helps me because I'm such an out-of-the-box thinker um, and I'm quite innovative. Um, it can be a little bit challenging if I'm under authority. 
Um, so, you know, it does help for me to be able to work with people. And that's, you know, even last year, finding my business partner um, who, you know, is trained in the same way that I am. Um, it's really helped because we're a similar biology, but, you know, our psychology is slightly different. Um, and that's where we get that individuality from. Um, and she has really helped me, helped encourage me. And it's just been so much more fun to do things together as well and to play to our strengths because I was finding it very, very hard to do all the operations side of it. And she was finding it very hard to do the networking side of it. And so oh, we both just get to live in our strengths. Did you have any fear that before you brought your business partner on, did you kind of have had any fear in that process of what if this doesn't work out you know what I mean like you know how we kind of we're up for a challenge and we do our best but there's a little voice at the side you know at the back of our head kind of going well what are you going to do if it doesn't work absolutely I still have it like almost every day (laughs) I just I just recognize I'm very aware of it um and so I externalize it I bring that voice out and I'm like oh there's that old thing again you know some days I'm on top of the world and I'm feeling really fantastic um and I know which kind of things I need to do to help me with that. You know, if I'm food, food and exercise are two big things for me. It's not as much of a big deal for other people of different biology, but those are two really big things. And the social connection is really huge. So if I've got those three things um, kind of down pat, then I'm usually on top of the world and I'm feeling really confident. Um, unless I'm going up against something big I'm doing I'm trying something new that's when that kind of inner critic voice can come in um, and I can start to doubt things I can see things through a bit of a negative lens Um, you know but I notice so often that it's like my environmental factors that will completely color the lens that I'm seeing things through so you know if I've had a really indulgent weekend and I've eaten all the yummy things you know I know for my body that impacts me greatly and I'm might come in to work you know on Monday and I'm feeling a little bit sheepish and I'm like oh you know I'm no good you know there's so much more that I need to be doing and I'll have that inner critic running but I'm so aware that that's all it is and so I can go oh that's probably just because I've kind of you know tipped the scales you know too far one way on the weekend and so I know what to do to get myself back on track and then you know I'm feeling good again. Do you sometimes find, because there's so much self-awareness in what you experience, yeah. is that exhausting at times for yourself, like not for other people when you're kind of um, looking at yourself? I think that's one thing I really love. I'm really, it's my curious mind and I want to go deeper and deeper. It's not so much exhausting for me. I think for me I can get a little bit obsessed with it. And so I'll just want to find out more and I'll go so deep and I can get very distracted in that world and then leave other things that are more important. So I have to kind of, that's me learning that consistency and balance and things like that. So that's kind of what I'm working with on my, my, for myself at the moment. Um, But I think self-awareness is, um, you know, I know for, for people with my type of biology, we're very interested in the self, in learning about ourselves. You know, for other people, they're more interested in in others and learning about others, you know, and then there's other types of people that are really interested in their mission, you know, and their purpose at work. And so that might be what they're really delving into. Um, so it's probably something that I've just really accepted about myself. Yeah. Um, but it probably, I imagine it looks exhausting to other people, you know, and I've had I've had other people sort of say to me, you know, 
oh, why do you worry about that? You know, and I can see for them, it's just not, it's just not of interest to them. You know, they might really be into like gaming or something like that, or, you know, really love books or, you know, interested in a particular field of study. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like the self and self-awareness is really um, something I'm interested in. Yeah. It's really interesting because um, I think many of us, go like circumstance leads us to our uh to running a business so possibly not mm-hmm. those that sort of set out to run a business in their life but kind of due to incidents incidents or challenges um we kind of fall into business ownership which is kind of how I sort of see my own situation and like I had no idea about the self-development that this journey would take me on and it's kind of like I used to be the type of person, Casey, you wouldn't have probably liked me very much. I used to be the type of person that would go into a bookshop. I love reading, but I'd go into a bookshop and I'd see all the self-development section, right? And I'd walk past going, oh, whatever, you know, waste your money, blah, blah. But now, like, knowing what I'm, like, what I face, what I'm facing, what I will continue to face on my journey, you know, I embrace it. Mm. But I had no idea that, that this is a result of just running a business, like having a job yeah. and this is what I do. Yeah, yeah. I think I think as humans in a post-industrial revolution world, we get so obsessed with the doing and we can hang so much on that. And I think it's it's changing quite rapidly now where we're really understanding a lot of it is about the being and who we're being, you know. And, you know, that's where I really want to see a bit more of a shift a bit more nuance and complexity that it's not about being like the successful people out there you know that you know you have to join the 5am club and do all the Wim Hof you know things and stuff like that like that doesn't that doesn't equal success you know it might have worked for that person because it was right for them but I'd love to see more nuance of people understanding themselves and working out okay well who who do I need to be in terms of being the best version of themselves, you know, what does that actually mean rather than actually just trying to model somebody else? Because there's a lot in the coaching industry that, that tells you to model excellence and, you know, a lot in the self-development world that is like, here's how I did it. You can do it. Here are the steps. Um, and I think that can be really harmful because, you know, what I know from epigenetics is that the steps are different for every single person, you know, and that can vary as well depending on what circumstances they're going through in life, depending on, you know, where their body is at and their mind is at at that particular moment. So we really, I really would love to see, my dream is really for everybody to kind of develop that level of self-understanding that they know themselves and so they don't they don't get so um, caught up or influenced by, you know, what's on Instagram or what advice somebody else is saying on a Facebook group or, you know, what their parents are telling them or that sort of thing. They know themselves to that, to that level, you know, that they really can stand firm and go, okay, well, that's great if that works for you, but I know that's not going to work for me. Accepting so your, own, your own definition of success. Absolutely. Absolutely. You said it so much more succinctly than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Professional waffler professional waffler i remember going on the linkedin profile that's what a podcast is keep waffling i love it love it (laughs) so casey you know what sort of clients do you help you know um because this is something that epigenetics is something that not many people know about um can you kind of share 
the sort of people and the sort of problems um, that well, you know they come to you and that you can help with. Yeah, absolutely. So as somebody that loves variety, it's a real mixed bag. So, you know, we work, we work in organisations, both private and um, government now. Um, we've just actually been um, approved um, as, a, as a provider for, um, for government so we can start to do more work. Um, with with the federal government that is so that's really exciting so we we work with teams you know all kinds of teams and and for me really it doesn't really matter what they're doing or what the business is because I'm interested in humans and if I can help humans to become more aware then I'm living my purpose so so, so there is some kind of um I guess, organisations that we're working with. But then I also really love working with entrepreneurs because, you know, exactly what you said, Danielle, you know, they, they're coming up against these challenges and learning how to, how to overcome them and having to be more self-aware. Um, and usually, you know, it's, it's often a heart-led business, um, you know, not always with women, but especially with women, I find that they, um, you know, are doing something that is passion-filled. It, it might be because they're providing for their family, you know, or it could just be something that is for them, um, something that they want to do for their own identity, or they might have a really big mission to um, impact the world in a positive way. And where I can facilitate that by just helping them to make some little changes here and there um, to make their lives easier, more enjoyable, you know, more, you know, sometimes it can be more productive, but, you know, more so it depends on what that person is after. I really want to find, you know, what's their word, you know, what, what are the things that it's going to help them with? Um, so I tend to work with, um, when it's, when it's one-to-one, it tends to be usually entrepreneurs or, you know, people, you know, with like small businesses or they're kind of doing their own thing. Sometimes it's around transitioning out of corporate or, you know, out of an employment role as well. Um, sometimes people are going through divorce or, you know, their kids are starting to grow up and they're like, okay, you know, I don't really know who I am without this identity. So identity, I do a lot yeah. of work, yeah, on that identity piece and authenticity um, and understanding individuality. Um, and then, you know, it is kind of around, okay, well, you know, how do you want your life and your, your career to look? Um, and what, what can you bring to the table there? So really understanding their strengths. Um, and a lot of that work is kind of undoing the conditioning because so many of us were taught that, you know, our strengths were weaknesses. And so there's quite a bit of work to be done there, you know, and that crosses over between, um, you know, the entrepreneurs, you know, and the organisations that we're working with. We're working with the school in New South Wales at the moment um, and really supporting the teachers um, to, you know, be as healthy as they possibly can. Um, and to be the leaders that they want to be. And we've had some amazing aha moments. You know, a big one was around that conditioning piece just this, this week where we were teaching around, um, you know, because when, when they work with us, they understand their ideal self from a biological perspective. But we have had decades worth of conditioning, you know, from, you know, from our parents, from teachers, from society, from the media, from everything and so when we look at you know what our biological pro profile is and what our capabilities are um, looking at our strengths and how we use our brain and which hormones are driving us and things like that there can be a real kind of gap between what who we think we are versus who we can actually be and yeah. so it's there's a big piece around unpacking that and okay going okay well these were just messages that I was told and then I formed them into beliefs. So, you know, which parts of those do I want to keep, which are serving me? 
and which do I want to let go? Um, and that's that's a big part of what we do and, and we just show them little ways that they can do that. And a big part of what we do is doing it in a slow way as well because yeah. that's what actually, you know, helps habit change to form. You know, it's not about overhauling things. It's about doing things at your own pace because that's really yeah. important too. What an honour it is for you to be by someone's side during that transformation. Yeah, it really is. I get chills on the regular. I, yeah. I have these physical responses in my body when someone gets that moment. And what I often hear, Danielle, and this is kind of my, my aim for each thing, they get to a point where they go, oh, so there's nothing wrong with me. And I'm like, there it is. And it's like, whenever yeah. they say that, I just get this rush of like oxytocin in my body that I'm just like, yes, you have finally started to see your own worth. So, you know, I had, I had a beautiful client that um, has a business around sustainability and she, she came to me and she, she had been doing a lot of work on health and self-development. So she was already, already really clued up and she she came to me and she just said, you know, I just want to be the best I can so that I can really achieve my mission. You know, I want to do this. You know, I want to create a better world for my daughter. And I want this to, you know, I want to be at my best for that. And she got to that point where she just had so much more confidence at the end of it because she was like, I'm amazing. She understood her strengths. We'd done a lot of work on reframing her weaknesses to strengths and then she just felt more confident and that went into like her copy for her website she knew how to talk about herself um, and she's just you know flying now so it's just beautiful to see people to really blossom you know and that's yeah. that's what I did you know when I was teaching I'd you know have these students that had been thinking that there was something wrong with them but I show them their strengths and then they just wanted to come to school. And so I used to have parents coming in crying, just saying, oh, so much easier now because, you know, once upon a time they wouldn't, they wouldn't leave the house and now they just can't wait to get to school. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, and I just think every That's human beautiful. needs that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm kind of, you know, as you're speaking, I'm kind of thinking about, especially when you said the word identity um, a little while back as well. So my kids are now 11 and 13. And so, you know, they're sort of finishing up primary school, getting into high school, they, they're growing in independence. And even though I've been, you know, I've been running Shine, I've been doing my own thing and I do have my identity wrapped up into that as well. It's kind of, do you, like I'm kind of feeling like a shift and I've, yep. you know, I've had conversations with a lot of my good friends about it too. And it's like, I feel like I found myself once they were born again, like I found myself kind of as the mother mm -hmm. role there. But then now as they're needing me less and I'm kind of seeing, well, I've still got half of my life ahead of me. What do I want from that? There's another identity shift that I'm in the midst of. Yeah, yeah. As I, as I mentioned to you, I think before we started recording, it's a cyclical process. You know, we go through so many identity shifts throughout our life, you know, even as we develop you know, psychologically, you know, and physically that, you know, our identity is changing all the time. And, you know, that's one of the things that we, we work on with epigenetics as well. Like after this conversation, I will be a different person, you know, and after I, you know, have a big drink of water or, you know, smell, you know, a beautiful rose or something like that, that is changing me every single moment all of these different in, um, influences that we have are changing us so you can imagine then when we look at like you know being a parent or being a business owner how much that changes us you know and so a lot of us 
we we reinforce that a lot of the time because when we're talking to people and when they you know ask us to tell them about ourselves all of those words you know are really going back into our brain and telling us so you know when when someone retires you know or when their their children are leaving the nest and things like that there's some big identity shifts there that can happen you know and there's grief around that as well which is completely normal you know but it can be really really challenging so you know whatever we could do and I'm just one of the practitioners that are doing these kinds of things people do it there are plenty of other people that do it with epigenetics and there are plenty of other people that do it with different ways as well different modalities and things um you know so I think it's wonderful that there are people there that can support and guide I feel like that's yeah. really what humans need we need we need to stand together as we're going through that and I think also um just like we're saying in these conversations, knowing that you're not alone, that you're not going through, yeah. you know, everyone goes through their own different challenges, they're in their own different um, journeys, et cetera, et cetera. But there's so many similarities. Like we find that yeah. within our community, um, we have women of all different women of all different backgrounds, different experiences, but there's some common challenges that we all face. And I yes. think in having the conversations and normalizing those challenges. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it can make such a difference and it's like, oh no, this, and there's people out there who can help me as well. Yes, absolutely. And it's the power of storytelling as well. And even what you're doing with this podcast too, sharing stories are so important. This is how we've evolved as humans. This is how our brains have evolved, you know, and it's how we, it's how we connect. We, we've connected through stories and, you know, oral stories for so much longer than we've had the written word as well. And so, you know, there's a lot coming back to that. You know, the marketing industry has gotten back onto that, gotten on board with that. And we're we're understanding the power of story, you know, and I've I've had it, you know, even just this week with um, you know, a group that I've been working with. You know, I had somebody reach out to me personally and said, Thank you so much for sharing your story. We felt that there was, you know, they weren't really getting it we needed to it was a time to kind of be a bit vulnerable in there and start to share our stories and that was the connection piece for them and and this person that had been really struggling to kind of get their head around you know what they were learning that was the piece that really landed for them you know and they had always thought that it was something wrong with them and they were just a misfit but hearing my story about that really helped them to understand that they weren't alone and and the the factors that were at play there as to why they felt like a misfit and so I think yeah the power of of sharing stories and connecting is just phenomenal so yeah that's why I'm part of She Will Shine. Yeah I love it (laughs) but that's true and I think you know we need to remember that you know as we said earlier showing vulnerability is not a weakness Um, and I think it also gives permission for the other person to also, um, you know, share and show their vulnerability. And I think that's, it's, that's been, like, as you know, through she'll shine. Like, that's where such beautiful, genuine um, connections and conversations happen. Absolutely. I've always felt held in your community, um, you know, and able to be sort of open. And I think it's, you know, it's a beautiful space for doing that. So thank you so much for creating it. Oh, thank you, Casey. That's a beautiful note to end on. I'm all kind of all, all teary now. <laughs> Good. If I if I could give you some elicit some of the feels today, then um, yeah, I've done my job. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Casey. We have been talking about having you on the podcast for such a long time, and I am so so glad that we got a chance to chat today. I know, um, you know, 
when you when I first met you and you shared what you did, I was like, oh, this is a I've got to find out more. And I've like, you know, as I said, I've always been fascinated by what you do. And I really appreciate you sharing that with our community as well, because I think, you know, it's really important for them to know that support is out there for them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It has been such a pleasure to talk talk with you as it always is. Um, and yeah, thank you for inviting me to share my story um, and, and what it is that I do, the change that I'm creating in the world. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure. And thank you to all of you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Casey as much as I did. And we will see you next time on the She Will Shine podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode of the She Will Shine podcast, we invite you to check out shewillshine.com.au. She Will Shine is the essential support network you need to grow a thriving, meaningful business. We can help you grow your network, connect and develop genuine relationships, be supported and support others in building and growing a successful business on your terms. Say goodbye to working alone and become a member at shewillshine.com.au.